Welcome back to Beyond Strength and Endurance Coaching Education. Episode two rolling in, going to talk about coaching cues today. So being in session, whether it's one-on-one, group session, with your athletes and giving them feedback. So we're going to take a look at 10 different tips on how to be most efficient with these cues to get the best out of each session and each athlete. Let's get rolling. Take the word don't out of your coaching vocabulary. This is something I read a while back, great book called Mind Gym, uh, spelled G-Y-M. It's talking about sports psychology and how your mind is like a video recorder uh, or playing it back to you. So anytime you say anything to yourself or, or out loud for that matter, basically in your mind you are picturing what it is you just said. Uh, the mind doesn't understand don't. So for example, if you say don't go on your toes or don't drop your elbows, you're literally just picturing yourself coming up on your toes or dropping your elbows. So we got to think of a way to reorganize what we're saying, take that word don't out of there. So in those examples, it would be keep your heels down, get your elbows up. Those will be more effective coaching cues uh, to tell them what they need to do or what they should focus on instead of what not to do. It's a common thing. I used to do it a lot early on. You're, you're trying to help. So you're telling them, you know, don't let this happen or don't let that happen. But then literally they're picturing themselves doing it. I played college baseball and I put this to use immediately. If I was at the plate and I was saying to myself, don't swing at a ball in the dirt, I literally just pictured in my mind swinging at a ball that hit the dirt. Instead, saying keep the ball up or things like that. So it's a pretty fun exercise if you try it. I mean, literally sit there and say, you know, don't whatever you want, fill in the blank, and you're literally going to see yourself picture that exact thing in your mind. So take that word don't out of your vocabulary and be uh, more effective with your communication with your athletes and telling them what they need to do to fix the problem, not what not to do. Stop throwing the coaching book at each athlete. Uh, So what I mean by that is we need to focus on one cue at a time. Uh, It's very common, you know, the more you learn about stuff, uh, you have a lot of knowledge now, and so you really want to help each and every athlete that you're working with, um, no matter what movement they are uh, doing at the time. It's very easy to watch someone do a lift and tell them three, four, five, ten different things uh, that they need to fix. And when there are that many things going on in your, in your head, uh, the chances of you fixing the, the issue or issues now uh, is, is very low. Uh, so it's something called triage. You know, you need to look at a movement and focus on one thing at a time. We're going to cover later um, in, in a different episode how to triage a lift and what main things you're looking for. But you need to look at each athlete and when they're doing that lift, you need to give them one thing at a time. And the triage is going to help you find what is more, uh, most important, uh, in each lift. Um, but focus on one thing at a time. And that might be the only thing that we focus on for the remainder of their reps or sets. And if they can fix that one thing, then it's a successful day. If we try to fix too many things all at once, then, we're not going to fix anything, chances are. Um, and so that's, that wasn't a very beneficial session. So, you know, if we're watching someone snatch, instead of saying, you know, hey, your hips came up early, you had an early pull, the bar swung out in front of you, you didn't have a firm position overhead. Well, now they're, they're at a loss as to where even to start to begin with this. The other thing about keeping it simple of one thing at a time, now we can do drills or exercises to focus on that one cue and that one thing that we're trying to fix. So, Look at each athlete, find one thing that they can focus on for the next rep or set, work to get that better. If we do a good job of fixing that, 
then we can move on to another cue. But once again, one thing at a time. So keep it simple, focus on one cue at a time, and you'll have a much higher success rate of helping them fix the problem. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> That's a uh, uh, acronym that you can help when you are you know, working with, with athletes. Um, once again, it, you know, we talked about it in one cue at a time that you know, the more you learn, the more knowledge you have. Uh, you definitely want to um, express that to, to your athletes. But you know, remember that coaching is not trying to uh, show your athlete how smart you are or, or anything like that. I mean, they're coming to you because you're the coach, you're the expert. You don't need to, to prove that to them by using fancy terminology or anything like that. It, it reminds me of my psych teacher in college that our tests were so impossibly hard that it would be curved from like an F to an A because it's like each test or quiz he was putting out there, he was trying to show how incredibly smart he was. And it's like, well, of course you are, man. You're the professor. So uh, you don't need to prove that to us. So when you're looking at cues, I mean, you know, you're going to see videos and things like that. And it's great, you know, in, in Olympic lifts talking about triple extension and, and all this stuff. And, uh, but I can tell you right now that the high majority of athletes are, are not even going to understand what triple extension means. So if you're using terms like that to them, you're probably just going to get a blank stare because they don't understand what that means. So you need to keep it simple with your cues. Is it, you know, get your hips through um, or pulling your elbows up and back. Um, keep it in layman's terms, so to speak, so that they can understand what it is that you're trying to say to them. Uh, so don't try to uh, you know, impress them with your, your knowledge and your fancy terminology. Just keep it simple, and that is going to have a much higher rate of success of them fixing whatever issue it is we're trying to work on. How many different ways can you say the same thing? This is something that's huge for, for coaching and, and the cues when you're working with athletes. So we all learn differently. I mean, think about when you've uh, learned something or someone's been trying to teach you something and they said some things that didn't resonate with you at all. And then they said some things that did. And, and that's, that's very normal. So it's all about trying to accumulate as many cues as we can in our coaching toolbox, our tool belt. So think about when you are trying to correct issues. And, and I use Olympic lifts a lot because, you know, they're some of the more complex lifts that we do. But how many different ways can you say something? So if we're looking at a common error about getting that good second pull on the barbell before we drop underneath, how many different ways can you say that? Is it, you know, get your elbows up and back, you know, finish your pull, elbow somebody behind you. Those cues are all trying to accomplish the same thing, but that way you have multiple to go to. So if you tell your athlete, you know, really finish pulling on the bar and you get a blank stare or, or it wasn't corrected, okay, what cue can you go to next? Hey, let's focus on getting our elbows up and back. See if that works. If it didn't, then, you know, I like using stuff that usually gets a, a chuckle out of some people like, hey, imagine someone's behind you and elbow them in the face. So once again, those are all different ways of trying to accomplish the same thing. But the more of those you have in your tool belt, the, the higher rate of success you're going to have when uh, fixing issues with athletes. Creativity with your coaching cues can go a long way. This really, the more you can give them something to visualize uh, beyond just the lift itself uh, can really help. So uh, be creative with it. So, you know, when we're looking at uh, a good launch position, let's say in a, in a clean or a snatch, you know, I've talked about how, you know, act like we're about to, you know, jump straight up. You know, what position would you get in with your, uh, your legs? How would you set up to jump um, as high as you can? Or if we're talking about dropping underneath the barbell, uh, you know, transition our feet from that pulling position to that receiving position. I'll talk about a lot of times, you know, when your feet pop out, it's like we're, we're falling through a trap door. 
So anything that you can give them that is going to visually uh, give them something to think about um, and see themselves doing, like falling through a trap door and in essence dropping underneath that barbell, uh, that will be a lot more effective a lot of times than just talking about the lift itself. So uh, use your own experience um, and things like that to give them uh, creative cues to help them visualize something that is going to get the point across. Get to know your athletes beyond just the gym. So what I mean by that is if we can use things that they are accustomed to doing or that directly relate to their life to help give coaching cues then that's going to get the point across to each person uh, much more effectively. So, you know, are they a parent? Do they play golf? Uh, do they play volleyball, basketball? I mean, anything that they do outside of the gym is going to help so that I can use things, um, you know, if we're talking about a, a deadlift or something, and, you know, how would you pick your child up off the ground or visualize that? Or, you know, if we play golf and, you know, hey, you know how we have to get a f- firm front side, uh, when we go into that swing, is that something that can help carry over something like a split jerk and being uh, firm you know, on that front and back leg? So knowing them beyond what they do in the gym is you know, going to be able to help you relate to them on a much more personal level, which is going to develop a lot more trust and, and be able to uh, you know, communicate and, and get them to fix the issue more effectively. Uh, but it also gives them something that they do daily that they can relate to personally. So when you give those examples um, you know, to a parent or someone who golfs or, or whatever it is, they can visualize and picture themselves doing that and knowing what that feels like. And that's going to help. Because a lot of times when someone's learning a new movement, um, they have no idea what it's supposed to feel like uh, because obviously they can't do the movement correctly yet. So if you can give them an analogy to something that they do know how it feels and, and how it's supposed to go and carry that over to what we want to do with these lifts or movements, then that will really help them Uh, fix the issue uh, much faster. Get to know each person's mentality. Uh, This is something that will really help you communicate to them in a way they're going to receive it the best. Uh, So as you coach people more and you get to know people more, you're going to find out that some people just want it told like it is. I just need to know you know, what I did incorrectly and therefore how I need to fix it. I don't really need any... um, you know, positive feedback or, or anything like that. Um, other people need, you know, uh, constant reassurance um, or positive feedback. So uh, with those people, it might need to be, hey, you know, you're, you're doing a great job uh, at this. Let's work on this so that we can, you know, take what you're already doing well and, and make it better. So that's kind of a, you know, positive, negative, positive sandwich, if you will. Other people don't need that. They don't. They, some people actually get a little bit annoyed when you're like talking about positive things. They're like, right, right, right. But just what what do I need to do to fix this? So, knowing how each athlete is going to best receive feedback is really going to help them hear what you're saying and and then work to fix it instead of you know maybe tuning you out because that's just not how they uh, receive feedback. Well, how well can you explain things without demonstrating it? So I think sometimes we rely on that a lot as coaches to not so much our verbal communication, but uh, the physical. So we show people the movement or how it's supposed to look or, or things like that. But what happens if you can't do the movement? What happens if you can't do a bar muscle up and you're trying to help somebody with a bar muscle up? Just because you can't do the movement does not mean you can't coach it. Uh, what if you can do a bar muscle up, but you have some sort of injury now where you can't demonstrate it? So You need to challenge yourself to always know how to explain something 
just verbally. So think about each lift and movement. And if you were not allowed to demonstrate it, so if I could not pick up a barbell or get on the rig or anything and demonstrate it, how would I explain this movement? Uh, that's really going to help you, challenge you as a coach to come up with uh, you know, unique ways and coaching cues, but it's going to help your communication. Uh, so if you can't demonstrate a movement that you can still coach this person, um, but it's going to allow you to think of things we've talked about previously. What can you give them in a creative cue to make them visualize something um, or relating to their personal life, like we mentioned, and giving them something they know how to do and carrying that over. The more uh, efficiently and effectively you can verbally explain something to somebody, the better a coach you're going to be. So you're not always relying on the visual aspect of you just demonstrating the movement and hoping that they can fix that. Um, because in essence, that's just showing them, but is it really giving them any cues, so to speak, uh, like elbowing somebody behind you or something like that to fix it? Um, you're just demonstrating the movement. So really challenge yourself on that of if you could not demonstrate the movement, how well could you communicate to this athlete to get them to do what they need to do? What if you can't do the movement that you're trying to coach? Uh, so we just touched on this a little bit, and this is going to come up. I mean, you know, a lot of times with Olympic lifts, as a coach, you should be able to do the movement, at least with a PVC or things like that. So it's really not those uh, type of movements, but it's something that you literally don't have the physical capability to do. Um, maybe it's a handstand walk, a handstand push-up, a, a muscle-up. So how can we coach somebody when we can't, in an essence, demonstrate the full movement to them? So each movement, uh, let's take something like a ring muscle-up, is going to have segments that we use to drill the movement anyway. So if we have rings you know, over just hanging from the rig low to the ground, uh, as a coach, you should be able to demonstrate what it is like to pull and then transition over the rings. You can segment these movements to demonstrate some portion of it. Um, you know, Something like a handstand walk or a handstand push-up, if you haven't got upside down yet, then uh, obviously that's an opportunity for you to get better to at least be able to do uh, that movement, but can you do a wall walk to get upside down so you can talk about the position of your hands and and how you need to be strong in your shoulders when you're upside down? So even if you can't do a movement, you can find creative ways to segment the movement to at least show some portions of the movement so you can get them to understand what it is uh, they're trying to do. But uh, I've mentioned it before, just because you can't physically do the movement does not mean that you can't coach it. I mean, look, my father's been coaching for gosh 45 years now and he coaches high-level athletes. And so, you know, if he's coaching someone, um, let's say, in a high jump or a pole vault, like, you know, my dad's in his 60s. He's not going to go grab a pole and, and do pole vault. Uh, but he still has to be able to explain and coach that person uh, regardless of that. So uh, don't use that as a crutch if you can't do the movement. Uh, learn the different segments of the movement, and that way you can find an efficient way to communicate that to someone when you are coaching them. What are you doing to continue to learn? I mean, as a coach and, and really all walks of life, you know, learning is a, is a process that never ends. But as a coach, there should constantly be ways that you are trying to learn more um, and improve your craft. So, you know, there's all kinds of articles and videos and um, purely taking class uh, at your gym and things like that are ways to continue to learn. I mean, uh, I was at a facility a long time ago and uh, there was uh, a couple guys there who were kind of more athletic trainer, physical therapists, but they were doing some uh, strength coaching as well. And uh, I noticed that they, with a lot of athletes, never did uh, any Olympic lifts. And so one day I just kind of asked, you know, what basically what's the deal with that? Because I feel like those are, you know, beneficial lifts for those athletes. And, and basically it came down to they weren't comfortable coaching them. And so 
you are limiting your athlete's progress by, uh, it's not the fact that you don't know, uh, but you're not doing anything to fix it. So if right now you're not comfortable, you know, coaching, especially in a one-on-one setting, when you think about it that way, uh, a certain lift or movement, like, you know, we don't expect you to be perfect and know every single thing as a coach. Uh, but what are you doing to fix that? So if you're not comfortable with, you know, teaching a clean or a snatch or, or a bar muscle up or things like that, what are you doing to fix that? Um, you know, we're talking specifically about coaching cues and a lot of this right now. So um, the more coaching cues you can accumulate, the better. So when you are taking class at your gym, which I highly think you should as a coach, listen to how the other coaches are explaining stuff. You know, what cues are they using? You can always pick up a different way to say something, as we mentioned before. So if you use, you know, use up all the coaching cues you have uh, in your tool belt at the moment, and it's still not fixing the issue, you got to have another one to go to. So learning more of those, if you go, if you watch videos, once again, listen to the words they are saying and how they are communicating it. If you go listen to somebody live at a conference or something, once again, how are they communicating and what cues are they using um, in different movements? Um, so once again, you don't have to know everything out of the gate, but you must do something about that. So anything that you don't know, it's good to just like you do in training, you know, you know, your strengths and weaknesses and, you know, you try to work on, uh, those weaknesses, uh, same thing in coaching, whatever lifts or movements, you're not comfortable coaching, then you need to take some time to learn more about that. So you can have more and more things, um, in that tool belt or toolbox to continually, uh, help each athlete that you have the privilege of working with.